Hello and welcome to the Neil and Amy podcast. This series of episodes is called Wayfinder. Why? Because this world, the people in it and the pressures of it can jack you up and they can cause you to lose your way. Next thing you know, you're overweight, unmotivated, frustrated with the relationships around you. Your life shattered in pieces and you're watching episodes of Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer just to feel normal again. This show is about helping people find joy in the middle of challenges because life is too short to live miserable. All right, so we are jumping in to build a house that lasts. I am not even certain which episode this is. Do you remember? Um, I think it's 23. <laughs> I don't know. We've done 23 episodes of Build a House That Lasts. Oh, no. Um, Maybe four or five. I think this is number four. Yeah. Well, we had the first one was you and me. Second one was Ashley and Jake. Mm-hmm. Third one. You and me. Me and you. Me and you. Fourth one. Jesse and Abby. Yeah. This is Fifth number five. One. Yeah. Sweet. Number five, staying alive. Dang. So how you feeling today, Amy? Feeling fantastic. Neil, how about you? I'm doing all right. It's hilarious watching you get set up for a podcast. You pretty much like yell at things. You yell at the rug, typically. I know. I can't stand this rug. It, every time I move my office chair, it always hits the wrong spot on the rug and then I end up having to use my body force to get it over the rug and then by that time I hit my toe on the table and (laughs) my headphones fall off and then my sweater gets wrapped up in the wheels of the chair it's just like a nightmare (laughs) her body force she uses her body force to (laughs) to overcome this massive rug by sheer force of her body. And if you're wondering, why don't you just get rid of the rug? It's because we need the rug for the acoustics of the room, mm. as well as why we have to put curtains rah, on our rah, walls. Rah. You know how when you I do really want to put boring, roller shades. Boring. Whatever, Neil. <laughs> Seriously, whatever. So, when you were young... Did you feel like your parents were constantly like trying to like mold you and shape you? I don't know if I thought about it when I was young as molding and shaping. I just thought they were teaching me the things that I needed to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every kid needs to learn how to change a tire, put a transmission in. Uh, uh, How about this? Build a house. Learn of, how to sew. Yeah. Learn how to cook for forty-five people. No joke. Once a week, twice a week, three times a week. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, did your parents believe in? Um, it's totally off script, but I'm just doing this. Did your parents believe in spanking? Ha! Huh. Did they? <laughs> oh boy, did they! And not only did they they believe it, but other parents were like, "How about you spank our kids?" What? No, that didn't really happen. But my cousin Andrew and I, who were known for fighting. Yeah. I would like to say because we're both strong leaders <laughs> and we're both the firstborn and well, my way's right, his way's right, and usually ended up in either full on tackling. No joke. This sounds a lot like our marriage. Ripping shirts off each other, pulling hair. This really sounds a lot <laughs> like our marriage. <laughs> and, um, well, my dad made this paddle, and it was probably 12 to 14 inches wide in uh, diameter, and it's round, and it had a handle, <clears throat> and we would get spanked with this paddle. The idea was that the spanking tool was so intimidating that as a child, you should not want to do the things that you shouldn't do because you don't want to get spanked with the paddle. Like who's really afraid of their mom or dad's hand, you know? So that was the idea behind it. But let me tell you, strong willed children don't give a crap about the size of the paddle. (laughs) Hence why Andrew and I, after a spanking spree, the paddle was broken in half, which was, really bad for everyone else because it actually hurt worse on the broken paddle 
than it did on the full paddle. I don't know if it was just the wind and I don't know what made it happen, but what I mean by wind is like you yeah, can really have a lot of resistance. Yeah. That yeah. it so then we got spanked with the half paddle for the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember one time getting spanked with it and I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Well, first of all, my mom and dad, they'd be like, Amy, did you do this? Yep. But if you just listen to why I did it, you might change your mind and you might not want to spank me. Mm. And they'd say, no, you were told not to do that. So we don't even want to hear why you decided to do it. You did it and you shouldn't have. But no, but no, if you just listen and it would g- usually one spanking, honest to God, I don't think I ever got anything less than eight or five spankings. Eight or five. Five or eight. Five or eight. Five to eight. I don't know. <laughs> Literally. Ask my sister. We could call her up right now. Call her. Should we? Yeah. Give yeah. her a try. Okay. Yep. Let's see what we can do Yeah, here. let's see what the but number wait, she thinks. So, wait, while we're doing this, I'm, you're going to be looking for the Bluetooth here. Oh, okay. This is my first call in. So, here's the point. I, and the, the point that we're making right now, point number one of today's episode And this is how to build a house that lasts. So we've taken, we've told you a bunch of stories. We've had some conversations with the siblings. There's an excellent conversation coming up with Amy's mom and dad. But what we're doing right now is we're trying to kind of consolidate in this episode, we're saying these points, these five things are what we think are the top things that are critical for building a house that lasts. Now, we can mix these words around. We could say them a, little, a lot of different ways, but um, these things are critical. And point number one is train, train. And we're going to dig into this more. But what made me think as we sat down, I just randomly and impulsively said to Amy, did you get spanked? I know the spanking stories. I've heard these stories. They are plentiful. And some of you listening to this episode <laughs> right now, why are you laughing? Are you finding the Bluetooth? It, my phone's not picking it up. Oh my gosh, let me have your phone. Some of you are of the nature that you may or may not even believe that spanking is, is a profitable thing when it comes to raising children. Some of that, that might not be your vantage point. If you ever want to have more in-depth dialogue on this, we would love to do so. We're not going to take this whole episode and talk about spanking, even though there are that many stories for Amy. That's true. I don't know what the deal is or why she was spanked so often. Actually, that's not true. I can actually tell you why. And I know why. I'm freaking married to you. Oh, gosh. Y'all poor Neil here. Did you get spanked a lot, Neil? Yeah, a couple times. No, a lot, I said. I said, yeah, a couple times. So that's a lot for you? Well, yeah. And here we go on interpretation. I think it was a lot. I don't think you were spanked a lot. Your mom refers to you as the perfect child. Um, well, that's not true. Well, I know that. I'm married to you, but, but I'm just speaking saying. Speaking of the perfect child, let's see if she answers yeah, right Ashley now. Ashley is the perfect child. We're calling Ashley. She does not know we're calling her. She has no clue. Hopefully she's not screaming at her five kids. Maybe she's spanking one of them. Ooh. Hi, you're on live on the Neil and Amy podcast. Whoa. Hello. (laughs) Okay, couple questions for you. No right or wrong answer. Just go with your gut and what you remember. Well, first of all, are you in the middle of spanking your children? Um, No, not at the moment. Not at the moment. Okay. Do you believe in spanking your children? Definitely. Okay, cool. And moving on to the next question. When I got spanked, I got spanked usually more than one, two, three, and upper numbers. How many yes. do you would you say on average would be my normal spank count? Um, I'm gonna go with eight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Amy said between five and eight. That was her average between five and eight, and you hit the top number. Okay. Okay. Tell us an Amy spanking story and just like from your vantage point, what, what, what did you witness as the younger sister watching this completely rebellious child called Amy? 
Okay, so we would be doing something that shouldn't we shouldn't have been doing, and I probably went and told Dad that it was <laughs> yeah. happening because we knew we shouldn't be doing it. But anyway, so then Dad's like, "All right, everybody, line up. Um, everybody's getting a snake in." And Amy wanted to make sure that Dad knew why she was doing that, and. <laughs> And in hopes, I think she thought it would help her to not end up getting a spanking. But at the point, dad was already frustrated because he probably didn't want to have to stop doing whatever he was doing to spank us in the first place. So he's like, just bend over, touch your toes. We got this big wooden paddle that he made. And <laughs> you're going to get one spanking. And, and it was notorious. He'd say, but oh, let me tell you. And he'd say, Amy, bend over, or you're going to get two. And so it would go on and on and on until she ended up with eight spankings. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much how that's Amy just told it. <laughs> Am I close? Yeah. You left out the part where I would get really mad because I was convinced that Ashley had this master plan. And she, if she went and told on us, that mm-hmm. then Dad would subconsciously just not spank her hard. And then, because she came, she was the news bearer, or whatever you call it. Yeah. And then... The truth teller? Yeah, the truth teller. (laughs) And and then she would only get one, ever. One. Yeah. Well, she she learned from the best. The way I remember it is I could not endure you getting any more spankings it was like my stomach would start to hurt and i'd be like you just shut up and get the spanking and so then i i would like raise my hand and be like um excuse me dad <laughs> could i just go through could i just go first <laughs> <laughs> and get this over with <laughs> and then he would let me go first and i'd be like yes i just got one and then i'd go back to playing and then yes you would come back to playing that because you're like, it didn't even hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, this sounds like my life. That's part of why I called her. So the, the moral of the story is spankings don't work. <laughs> I don't know. I just think you got to find your magic number. <laughs> they worked for me. <laughs> they did work for you. Maybe I should rephrase that. Amy's spankings work for me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, perfect, Ashley. Thank you for Thank answering you, the phone. You're welcome. <laughs> Love You're you. Love yeah. you. Love you. Have a good day. So, yes, that's real. And here's what I'm wondering. Like, there are people that are listening that are like, eh, I don't know about this whole spanking thing. And well, I mean, spanking has to be done with technique, yes. finesse, yes. Uh, the right spirit. Yes, there ha- there's a lot that goes into it. You can't just be whooping on your kids all the time being an a-hole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you, I mean, not being angry, all the, di- there's there's so much to this concept of actually spanking. But the point behind spanking is, is what? Consequence and pain. Usually, <laughs> what? That's what I think it is. It's, it's consequence <laughs> and pain. That is the point. Most it's to, of the time, it's to bring you do so something pain, wrong, it causes is, you pain. Yes, but so if you, if it, as a kid, you don't endure any of that, and you grow up, you think you can just tell your teacher to f off, and there's no consequence, and that's what's wrong with society today, people. Okay, but it's to tr- it's to train. So the consequence and the pain is ultimately to yes. train yes. you. Or the person who's being corrected, right. right, in the way that they should go, right? Because I'm sorry, sitting in the corner was not going to do it when we were be- building a house, and we were not allowed to just go walk on the beams upstairs without telling our parents. And sometimes we did, and that's you get in trouble for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, because if you fall, you could die. Right. <laughs> so, so yes, there's very good reasons for training and. Truly, to build, this is what where we're going, to so build a house that lasts, you have to train. You have to train. But there's two parts to this. You've got to train yourself, meaning like you've got to submit yourself to the correction, the discipline, the fathering or the parenting of, right. of God himself. Because 
He's the ultimate one who's leading and guiding the ship, right? So we've yep. got to submit ourselves to God, and we've got to allow him to lead us and train us and guide us. And when we step off course, it's a really good thing when we step off track, if we get a little smack, right? Like a little, hey, check yourself, like get back on course, because that's keeping us safe. It's keeping us moving in the right direction. So number one, we've got to train ourselves. And if you're somebody who is not willing to do that, but you're wanting to have everybody else fall in line, that's not going to last. Yeah, they're going to laugh at you. Yes, they will. <clears throat> There's a passage in Proverbs that says, train a child in the way that they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from that way. Mm -hmm. And and so the, the process of correction, the process of... And, and training is not only correction, but oftentimes training is actually showing the way, mm -hmm. showing the proper way and doing it, you know, repetitive, repetitively in order for people to <laughs> get it ingrained into them that this is what you do. So Right. What because lack of training leads to a lot of correction. Absolutely. If you train on the front side, you're going to be doing far less correcting on the other side. Yes. And that's with anything in life. For sure. And the purpose behind this whole series of episodes is we know some of you are listening and you're thinking, man, you know, we want to, to build something really cool with our life. We want to have something that, that maybe others would look at and go, you know what, that, that's to be aspired to. You want to build the legacy. You want to have the family. Maybe you don't have the family yet, but you're wanting to have one in the future. These components are critical in order <clears throat> for you to get there. And that's why we're sharing these things with mm -hmm. you. It's uh, And we could go just off on this one particular point for a very long time. Right. It's super critical, though, that good training happens. And I'll tell you, I believe your parents modeled that very, very well. They, they did train. <clears throat> it's not fun. We have kids. They're, you know, 20, 18, and 16. It's not fun to spank your child. It's no. not fun to be spanked. No. And don't you don't always have to take everything literally. Sometimes it's just not fun to correct or to steer or to oh, guide. Oh, it takes a lot of work to do that. It does. It would be much easier just to throw your kid in front of an iPad and go, hey, or go sit over there. Yeah. Which I've known people who have done that, and their kids are brats. Absolutely. Very, very critical, though, and it's the harder work to actually take the time to lay the foundation of training and correction. I was, I was on uh, <clears throat> this group conversation the other day, and it, it said that this lady, she was older, like in her 30s, she said, I have such a hard time taking constructive criticism, meaning somebody might be trying to help her with you know, criticizing some mm -hmm. aspect of maybe her personality, the way she does something. And she says that she completely freaks out and she was asking for help. Like, how do I actually take constructive criticism? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, if, if you're a parent, if you're a boss, if you're, you know, if you can't take constructive criticism well, how in the world are you ever going to get anybody else to? Mm -hmm. And it's an important thing because we don't know everything. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything, and we all should be learning and growing. And in order to do that, you've got to be trainable. Mm -hmm. So very, very important to um, implement and exercise training into the family. Build it into the foundation of your life, of whatever it is that you're constructing, if you want it to last. Right. It's got to be normal. It's got to be normal. got to normalize the training. Yes, it's not coming from dictatorship. It's coming from, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And training's <laughs> kind of like, in some sense, it's it's serious, mm -hmm. right? I, I mean, it doesn't have to be heavy. It doesn't have to be heavy hearted, but it does have to be, you know, focused. And it, mm -hmm. there's, there's got to, you know, when you don't want to correct, you know, let's say a, a child for doing X, when you have to do that, it there's a moment of confrontation, mm -hmm. one will or one person toward another. And right. if you're not <clears throat> able to navigate those confrontations in a healthy way, then you have explosions. Right. Right. And those explosions, man, there's a passage that also says that the house is divided. How can it stand? Mm -hmm. I think there's so many homes that are divided. They're divided 
at the level of of let's say husband and wife. Yeah. And because they're divided at that level, right, it just trickles down. Trickles down. And now, you know, anytime the the wife or the husband is is attempting to help the child move in the right direction, it doesn't necessarily work because the whole framework of the house is divided. Yeah. And also makes me think of that scripture that says, um, fathers don't provoke your children. Oh, okay. You know, because <clears throat> there's there's a lot that has to go into the mindset of a person who's willing to train and be trained. Mm -hmm. And when you have someone who's provoking you to anger and belittling you and making you feel stupid, you know, during the training and yep. all of the, that stuff that goes hand in hand with some not so great parents. Yep. Um, <clears throat> it really does damage and it hurts the soul of the child. Um, it makes them be start believing things about themselves that aren't true. Yes. And so as being somebody who is willing to train their children or whoever it is that God has put you put in your life, uh, it has to be done with respect and love and dignity and not hate and, mm -hmm. you know, power play. That passage from Ephesians where it says, do not provoke in another uh, translation, it says, do not exasperate. And mm -hmm. I always thought that word exasperate was like, wow, kind of extreme. But it simply means like, like press so hard and so often and so frequently that you like break them mm -hmm. and you cause them to like lose their will to even Won't try you. whatsoever. Yep. <clears throat> um, that's overdoing it. Yeah. And so it's got to be done in a, in a spirit of love, mm -hmm. in a spirit of safety. You know, all of those things are really critical. Absolutely. So point number two. Yeah, I like this one. Mm -hmm. This one's my favorite. Four-letter word. Play. P-L-A-Y. <laughs> yeah, it, this is this is a good one because when you're building a house, it's oftentimes stressful. Oftentimes things aren't shaping up how you imagined. You, you know, are short the lumber that was supposed to be delivered and the pieces that you needed first were not on that shipment and now you're, you know, set back two weeks because they forgot to put your beam order in or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of triggers that are happening constantly in building a house as, as well as raising a family or um, developing a strong marriage or the list goes on. You've got to be able to flip the switch. You have to go, if you're going to work hard, you've got to learn how to play hard. And playing hard is something that my parents taught us at a young age, you know, not to take ourselves too seriously, not to take each other too seriously, not to take this world too seriously. Um, <clears throat> everything is just kind of at your fingertips and you can decide if you, you know, you, you have the chance right there, that moment, we can either shape that moment and make that moment not so fun or we can flip the switch. And there were many, 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 many times that I can think of in my childhood and even in my adulthood where it's like the pressure is on my parents. Like, I mean, stress, lots of things coming at them. And it was just like a cartoon. My dad would be like, okay, all right, changing it up. Kids, go get your bathing suits on. We're going to the river right now. Hurry up, get in the car, five minutes. Uh, what? We're like right in the middle of this like intense conversation watching my parents, you know, talk, converse back and forth about how they're going to handle this or that. And you're thinking as a kid like, oh, this is doomsday. And then it was like, nope, flip the switch. Everyone go get in the car and off to the river we go and yeah. we float the river. Yeah. Play, <laughs> like being playful. What does that typically cause, you know, someone to think about? Like what yeah. what stage of life typically is play a reality? It's very lighthearted. And it's when you're a lot of times it's like play is associated with being like a kid. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, absolutely. Go outside and play. Mm-hmm. Play it's I don't, healthy though. And it's never supposed to leave our lives. But all of a sudden, when we get older, yep. we get conditioned by the world to be oh so serious all the time. And that seriousness, now mind you, I feel like when I came into our marriage, I had different ways of liking to play, but you know, they were like my, I like playing ball, I like riding dirt bikes, I like doing things like that. But I, I wasn't necessarily oh so playful, I think I was pretty serious 
early on focused and like driven and all of those things. Yeah. I would lean way more to the train side than I would to the play side. But play, I think now I've learned to be so critically important to, <clears throat> well, the term is recreation. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have like a, an RV, right? Mm -hmm. What does that stand for? Do you know? Recreation vehicle. Yeah. You're looking at me like, mm. I'm just like, where are <laughs> we going with this? <laughs> a recreation vehicle. So the idea of recreation it is recreation. Mm -hmm. It's to like recreate or to get out and go do something fun. Mm -hmm. So people jump in their RV, let's say, and they go into the mountains and they go on hikes because they think that's fun. Or back mm -hmm. in the day, your dad used to take you guys repelling. Mm-hmm. Frequently. Mm-hmm. He did it to train you. Yeah. But he also did it to probably scare the crap out of you. Well, he taught us and we could get out of any kind of building or any height. If we had rope, we could get <laughs> ourselves down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, Amy was pregnant with our oldest <laughs> daughter, and she was like eight months pregnant. She was, let's just say, a big gal at this moment. Right. Where are you going with this? And we go to, or I don't even know if I was there, but I remember you going to this bridge, a really, really big bridge. Oh, yeah. And then you repelled from under this bridge. And we're talking, I don't how many feet do you think? 150? 100 something. Yeah. Yeah. At eight months pregnant, it's like, oh, let's go repelling. Like, at I what time of day? I'm pretty sure it was two in the morning. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, people. That's yeah, crazy. And I was like, hey, dad, I don't know if I should do this. He's like, why? I was like, well, I'm supposed to be having a baby in the next you know, month or so. And he's like, Amy, if you needed to repel right now, you, would, you don't get to pause that button and go, I'm pregnant. I don't get to repel. No, let's do this. Yeah. O okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. So play is critical. And all of these types of things are a part of, of this idea of play. I thought it probably would be good to call your brother Jake, but I should have probably already done that. Just like, Jake, he's the ultimate play guy. Yeah, he is. Truly. He he can turn any situation into a play date. Yep, into a play date. But Tag was so committed to playing that he built a 30-foot climbing wall mm -hmm. in the living room of this house. Right. Of the house that he built. He designed it from the very beginning to have play in the very center of the family room. Mm -hmm. Right? Because play is critical. Anything else yeah. you want to cover on that concept of play? Because I think we could talk about this forever. You too. don't get to do it just when you feel like it. Ooh. Because if everybody just did it when they felt like it, it would never really happen because everybody wouldn't sync up at the same time. Yeah. So if my mom and like, the chances of my mom and dad being in the same mood on the same exact time to go play, like that's pretty rare. Very rare. Like that that's like a planned situation. Like we're going to Disneyland, we're taking a cruise, we're flying to DC. Like that takes some intentionality and some funds. Yep. But just to like flip the switch and go, it's playtime, what it does is it teaches everybody else that they have the ability and the um the opportunity i guess mm -hmm. that if they want to they can flip the switch too which is also a form of training yeah, it is because it's when discipline. life gives you shit sandwiches like mm -hmm. we were talking about last podcast mm -hmm. you have a couple questions you have a couple um what's the word neil uh, I don't know. you don't have a very long period of time to make a decision on how you're going to handle it like it's yeah. like here it is. What are you going to do with it? Yep. And sometimes the healthiest thing to do in that moment is to flip the switch and go on a play date. And go on a play date, which, okay, so with play, what is a closely associated, let's say, emotion that comes with playing? Laughter. Laughter. Another scripture drop, right? Mm -hmm. Laughter, it says, is great medicine. It's mm -hmm. good for the bones. And you bond. When you're laughing with people, you bond. When you think about all the relationships in your life do you think about um the people that you were like sweating out this like hardcore job with and you never had playtime with them it was just always work 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 do you look back and go that was such a great relationship 
I mean, sometimes you're close enough that you get to do the hard work and the play together. But most of the time, the ones that you think of fondly are the ones that you're laughing. You could be working side by side, but you're laughing in that moment. Those are the types of relationships that build like lifetime bonds. Absolutely. Because you, again, shouldn't be taking this life so seriously, this world so seriously that you can't stop and laugh about something. Yep. And so when things get stressful and it's difficult to be able to flip the switch, go and play and laugh your butt off mm-hmm. is critical. Yep. Your parents, one of the times that they did that, I thought very well, which again, coming into the family as a 20 year old, we didn't, I didn't watch like super silly movies very often. No, you didn't watch movies at all. Yeah, actually, I really didn't. You watched NBA, <laughs> NFL, That's NCAA. <laughs> Good job, honey. And um, yeah, you didn't it. watch baseball. You hated baseball. You said that was a pansy sport. Yeah, I don't, don't judge. That's because your cousin Andrew played it. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he was whooping your ass on the basketball court. (laughs) Just in case Andrew listened, I I love Andrew. But this, I remember like sitting down and your parents, you guys like would do movie time. So you'd be like working all day and it's like, hey, guys want to watch a movie? And to me, it was like, okay, well, they're going to watch a movie. Not a big deal. But no, this was kind of an occasion. If we're going to watch a movie everybody's everybody's gonna congregate. Oh yeah. Lights mm-hmm. off. Nobody's popcorn, hitting play until popcorn, candy, everybody's paying attention. Everyone faced the TV and it didn't matter if the TV was twenty inches wide or fifty five inches wide, because yeah. we had all sizes at all different times in my life. Yep. And it didn't matter. It was time to laugh, time to chill, no more stress. And what was the movie that you guys always watched when like when your brother Jake was really little, and I'm trying, it's you're a not talking one. about Meet the Fockers. No, 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 but it's, it's before got the that. same guy in it. I don't know. Is it the superhero one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it's it's such a it's silly, weird. I mean, cheesy, silly <clears throat> movie. And so the movie would come on, and I I remember like watching it, and then it's like really, really kind of dumb, and yeah. then all of a sudden, tag would break out in belly laughter, and then. Jake would, and then Amy would, and the the laughter was like loud, and it was contagious, and well, every, it was it all was, the lines became, were innuendos. It was like innuendo movie central. Try to call your brother. No, let's just move on to the next step. This would be hilarious. Okay, we will move on, but just see if he answers. So playing critical. Point number one: train. Point number two play and point number three which we're going to get to here in a second is forgive but first let's see hey bub you're live on the neil and amy podcast oh i am yeah yeah say hello hey what's up everybody (laughs) hey quick question First time listener, first time caller. How's our guest <laughs> today? <laughs> okay, question. When we were kids, we had movie time at night. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. On a on a twelve inch uh, screen. Exactly. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and what was the movie that we watched? I think we had probably a, I don't know, maybe a thirty inch screen when we watched this movie. Uh, it was one of your and dad's f- all-time favorites. And we were pretty little. It was like... Ben Stiller in it, and they were like wannabe superheroes. Yeah. It's called Mystery Men. Mystery yes. Men. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Mystery we, Men. We were talking about How you guys would break out in belly laughter, like at the one-liners. Yeah, but the the idea behind it was we were talking about how important it is to like play and have a good time as a family. And how we would have movie night, and we could watch this movie over and over and over again, and we still laughed at it. It's it's a it's one of those movies that never gets old. <laughs> Do you remember any one-liners from that particular movie? What's up? I'm a spleen. <laughs> You're pretty attractive. <laughs> that was my uh, that, that was me playing the spleen, one of my favorite characters. <laughs> If you want to know, if you want to know what his special power was, just pull his finger. 
Perfect. You were the man. We knew yeah. that you would totally come through big on that. Thank you yeah, for answering second, for me. Second favorite superhero in the movie was uh, the Shoveler, <laughs> and uh, his you know his wife is telling him you know you're not a superhero. He says, Lorraine, I shovel well. I shovel very well." And she says, "You've shoveled better than any man I've ever known." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too good. <laughs> way or too when good. They're, or when they're, or when they're, uh, they're gonna, they're trying to figure out a vehicle to transport them all into, into their little battle, right? With, uh, with, uh, what was his name again? Um, Casanova Frankenstein. Oh, <laughs> Casanova Frankenstein. And so they go to the, they go to the, uh, the weapons maker. He specializes in making uh, only the finest quality of non-lethal weapons, right? <laughs> and he's going to hook him up with a Herkimer battle jitney. <laughs> you have a Herkimer battle jitney? That's the finest non-lethal military vehicle ever made. Uh, too good. That's way too good. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, picking up for me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Love you. Love you, brother. Have a good day. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) You know what? I hope everybody that's listening catches this one thing. What's that? Amy calls her siblings and they answer. (laughs) And not only do they answer, but they freaking come through. Like And did you notice they both answer the same? No. Hey Mo. Hey Mo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a classic. So moving on to our point number three. It's forgive. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive. That's a fun one. Yeah. Kind of. You know, it is a hard one because no matter what, in every single relationship, You're going to offend others. Mm -hmm. And if you want to actually have a house and a life that lasts, you've got to be quick to forgive. Ames? Yeah. (laughs) I would say, like, your family... From the outside looking in, people would probably look at it and say, ah, I mean, <laughs> what do they really have, you know, to to forgive for, you know, oh, mm-hmm. that that kind of a thing. But man, like I've seen it from the inside. And as as amazing as the family is, and I truly say that I've I've said it several times through these episodes, I don't believe I could have married into a better family. Mm-hmm. It's the right family for Neil to be a part of. And man, it's it's just, I'm so grateful. But not perfect. No, not at all. And the, the need to forgive is, man, there are so many times where, well, even me coming into the family, where things would spark up, you know, and there would be frustrated or heated moments. Mm-hmm. And... And some people and some families, they have one of those yep. and they don't talk for <clears throat> a year. Or more. Or ever. Mm-hmm. And, and so to build a house that lasts, you've got to forgive. What do you think about that? Well, I think that our society and our culture is not, we're not programmed to forgive at all. And Programmed to hold a grudge. Right. Programmed to remember... Um, for the time that they can issue that person exactly what they deserve based on how they were treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's sad because so many little things that could just be like forgiven quickly uh, fester and they actually turn into like these like real life issues for people. Um, it affects their health. It affects their mental state. Um, it affects what they, how they b- think of themselves. 
And I think that even, well, we talked about it in one of the podcasts, how our parents made us ask for forgiveness, you know, say you're sorry, but ask, ask for forgiveness as well. Because if you ask someone for forgiveness and you know that person means it, it's very hard to continue holding a grudge against them. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you still might feel the pain of the act that they uh, put on you or the pain that they caused you or the many years that you felt alone and abandoned and whatever, and now somebody's going to say they're sorry for that. You still, you might still carry the PTSD of that trauma of whatever, but there is healing that takes place when you are able to accept someone's forgiveness and um, their apology and move on. And again, there that's almost another form of flipping a switch in your mind because if we want to be forgiven for the things that we do, yeah, then we should be able to forgive other people for the things that they do. Absolutely. You know, the, the idea of forgiveness, the, the opposite is, is holding on to a grudge or holding something against someone. So when they fall short, when they, you know, do something to wrong you, or maybe it's not even to wrong you, maybe they just are, have wronged somebody else, right. you know, or whatever. We, as the other side, whether it's the husband and wife relationship, whether it's the siblings, it doesn't matter all the way through life all relationships, this is critical to actually building something. It's mm-hmm. it's to be able to release the grudge mm-hmm. to let it go. And that that really does, it, it takes a switch because each one of us, some more than others, have the desire for justice, mm-hmm. have the desire for people to pay the penalty or pay the price for the wrong that they did. And if that are if that mentality is held in a uh in a in a home environment, it will not last. It'll it's toxic. It'll completely break down whatever you're trying to construct. Yes. So you got to be able to think in many ways ab- about the other person in such a way that you're you know that more failures are coming. You know that their attitudes are going to step off from right. time to time. You know they're going to say things that are hurtful sometimes. Right. But ultimately, love, right, is is what's driving everything forward. What were you going to say? I was going to say it's much easier to do when everyone knows and accepts that personally and then gives that equally yeah. because if you have the husband who's always saying they're sorry and the wife is never admitting she's wrong for anything whatsoever, that's not a healthy forgiveness scenario. Right. Healthy forgiveness scenario is good conversation. Um, being able to work through those heated moments, being able to ask for forgiveness, being able to say, I'm sorry. And it has to go both ways. So if you're in a relationship right now and it's never going both ways and you really need to monitor that it's going, that that's the actual truth because we can easily as humans believe that we're the only ones that ever say sorry. But if you really start to pay attention uh, and see that you really are the only person who's ever asking for forgiveness, the other person does not, you should be having a conversation with that person. Mm -hmm. You should be able to say, hey, I don't know what, the deal is I'm wanting to like get past some of these hurdles that we have and it feels like I'm the only one saying I'm sorry and I want us to be good. How can we resolve this? Because sometimes other people don't even realize that they're thinking things but they're not actually saying them. They could be beating themselves up inside saying, gosh darn it, I shouldn't have done that. I feel like an idiot for doing that, no, no, no. But they don't ever vocalize them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people weren't trained how to vocalize their feelings. Yep. But I think getting to that point of forgiveness and allowing that door to stay open with your spouse or your partner, whoever it is that you're thinking of right now, uh, your children, if that door is always staying open, the forgiveness door, Mm -hmm. 
And that person knows that approaching you, you're not going to, you know, slap their hand and freak out, but that they can approach you in a humble state and say, gosh, Neil, I'm really sorry I blew up on you. I'm sorry that I said those things. I didn't mean those things. Please forgive me. Like I, it was out of anger. It was out of, you know, hate. I got triggered by this and this was my emotion and this is what happened. And you let that person into your thought process on how you even got there. Most of the time, it, it ends with like a, a hug or a, you know, yeah, gosh, a resolve. A resolve. I got I totally get it. Hundred yep. percent was there yesterday, and you forgave me. I totally get it. We're good. Clear the slate. Yep. Clear the conscience. Let's go. Which is ultimately, it's an it's an admitting of error. It's an admitting of of being wrong. When somebody's proud, they don't admit <clears throat> that they're wrong. Right. They're always right. Right. And that's tough to be in a household or a relationship with somebody who is holding that line continually. Yeah. And, and for the long haul, man, sometimes that will disintegrate oh, yeah. a house if if both parties aren't willing to be open to error yes. because we're all fallible. Right. If you really look at this the base principle of forgiveness though, there's got to be no strings attached. Yeah. And even when the other person is holding the line of pride, we have to find a way to be able to say I absolutely this is internally for you, even without saying it to them, you have to be able to forgive mm-hmm. because if you don't, <clears throat> then that grudge is being held. And then what will happen is there will be a root of bitterness that mm-hmm. will drive very deep down inside you. And eventually that bitterness will come out of you because you're holding on to unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. When, when you're not forgiving, it's like a seed and that seed actually produces bitterness in your life. Right. And, and you cannot have bitterness in your heart, bitterness in your home, bitterness in your kids. Mm-hmm. If it's there, it's going to manifest and it's right. going to become part of the culture of the family. Mm-hmm. You were going to say something? I was just going to say that, you know, there's everyone's heard the different scenarios of what unforgiveness does to you, like physically. Uh, and I don't know that everyone's. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I think a lot of people that are listening to us probably have not heard some of these these things that you might be thinking well there's a saying or a quote or whatever it says like unforgiveness is like i'm drinking poison and hoping that you're gonna die yeah and i've gone through enough rocky relationships with people mm-hmm. to know that the only ones that lasted were the ones who would meet me at the table and own 50 percent of their crap i own my crap you own your crap eventually anyone who's not a part of my life anymore because they went their own route or they have you know issues with me personally is because they would not meet at the table and discuss this stuff and work through this stuff and get past this stuff and in their mind they were right yeah and they wanted to hold on to that and they wanted to you know, well, you said da da da. Well, yeah, in this context, I don't know why you keep repeating this. It has nothing to do with what you're talking about whatsoever. Um, and people do that. They love to do that. And in a family, that can rip your family apart if people are doing For that. For sure. So if if you are in a relationship or in a family where sitting at a round table and being able to discuss this stuff without calling names and he said, she said, back and forth and fight about it. That's where you got to start because yep. you're not going to be able to train. You're not going to be able to play and you're not going to be able to do the rest of these things that we're talking about. If owning your side of the street and the other person owning their side of the street is something that is very common. Yes. But forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is not based off of the condition of somebody else. Yes. Obviously, let's let's just jump to uh, jump to a Bible thought. You've got you've got Christ on a cross, and and what he said was, "Father, forgive them. They mm-hmm. don't know what they're doing." Right. So there was this act of mercy, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mercy is that we're not getting what we deserve and we're not giving them what they deserve. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody can truly embody forgiveness, a husband or a wife, and let's say the opposite is not doing so, Mm -hmm. what will eventually happen is is they will come around. Mm -hmm. They'll realize that, wait a second, no matter what I do, I'm getting like love and grace and mercy poured out on me. And that right there, it means that I'm going to stick I'm staying the course with this person. Mm -hmm. Eventually, most people will come around to that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but for the most part, that is the case. So forgiveness is critical among... Absolutely. um, That's the only way to make it. And it should be normalized in your home, in your family. Um, Forgiveness shouldn't be like that one thing that happens every two years um, because there was a massive blow up on a particular issue. Like forgiveness should be... You should be able to do it in the small things yep. very well. And, and then when the big things happen, it's your muscle memory. Oh, I know what to do. Yep. Let it roll off your back. Right. That's it. The The next point I think plays really well with this one, mm-hmm. which is, is so, okay, point one, train. Point two, play. Point three, forgive. Point four, think the best. Think the best. If you are truly thinking the best it's a lot easier to forgive. Mm-hmm. When you're thinking the worst, sometimes it's difficult to forgive because you're like, no, that guy is an absolute asshole. There's mm-hmm. no other way around it. And I'm not letting this go. Mm-hmm. But it, that hurts you. That mm-hmm. hurts the family. That hurts the foundation of what it is that you're trying to build. Right. And so thinking the best, having you know the, the brighter view of a circumstance of a person's intentions. Mm-hmm. Well, when you said it like that, I could have taken it like this, <clears throat> but I'm choosing to take it like this. Right. And that's thinking the best. It's kind of like your brother last night okay. when um, I was wearing this coat that Kenneth bought me for Christmas and it was advertised online as a very different coat than what actually showed up. Okay. I don't know if any of you ladies have gotten screwed on the false advertisement on Facebook ads, but I have a lot. And this coat, I loved it. It was like that caramel felt type coat. Well, the shoulders, the sleeves are a little short. Shoulders are really tight and just doesn't hang like the advertisement was, you know, Portraying. portraying. Well, your brother decides, Cody... He decides to point out that maybe the reason it's not hanging the right way is because of my big butt. Oh, no. Yes. Way to put him on blast, babe. Well, this goes with think the best because <laughs> <clears throat> I know that Cody says stuff and I took it almost endearing. Yeah. Like, oh, he's he likes a big ghetto butt. booty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. I could have like literally grabbed him by the crotch and twisted it and ripped it off like a chainsaw, but I didn't. I just took it as a compliment. Like, man, he he just said that I got he he just did the straight up rap. Yeah, I like big exactly. Butts. So I look at Jenna, his wife, and she's like, "Oh, you did not, Cody." She's ticked, and I look at Cody, and he has his little smirk on. I'm like, "All right, that's right, all right, that's yeah, right. Go ahead. I'm gonna rock that booty." You got to think the best. Yeah, because then it's not even you're not even offendable. Mm-hmm. S- seriously, even last night, I I did something last night in one of our meetings where um, where Johnny, mm-hmm. which is Ashley, Amy's sister's husband, we've been best buds for twenty years. He he said something, and it was like the way he said it was, you know. this world's all about grand making things big Mm -hmm. you know doing things you know in such a way that it's like putting on a show you know going big shoot for the stars Mm -hmm. well there's a line in the wayfinder book where i'm talking about being one degree you know off off. and if you're one degree off over a foot then you're 0.2 inches off Mm -hmm. but if you're one degree off when you're traveling to the nearest star, mm-hmm. you're 441 billion miles off. And so Johnny had said something about, you know, not being grand. And and in the conversation, I said, I said, um, you know, I mean, you, 
everybody doesn't have to aim for the stars. I mean, you could be like Johnny and you could just try to shoot for nothing grand, you know? Mm -hmm. And immediately when I said it, I thought, well, that sounded kind of jerk-like. And I didn't intend it to be that way. But because Johnny knows me and because he is thinking mm -hmm. the best of me, mm -hmm. he wasn't like, he didn't feel belittled by me, I don't right. think. And even if that thought entered into his head for a second, he, he snuffed it and he kept on rolling and he didn't let that bug him. He mm -hmm. was still smiling and happy-go-lucky and doing his thing. So um, thinking the best causes us to, to travel down, you know, and to overcome a lot of moments that are kind of obscure or weird. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm, even if you know that you know that that was not the intention, it wasn't the best, they were just being straight up a jerk, think the best of what potentially could come out of that circumstance. Mm -hmm. Makes me think of Jocko Willink. Mm -hmm. Jocko Willink's this Navy SEAL dude that has a crazy podcast about like military Determination. stuff. And things will happen. When he was training, or he's the commander of the SEAL, SEAL Team 6 or whatever, guys would come to him and say, you know, we're almost out of ammo. And then Jocko's response was always, good. <laughs> that means that we have to learn hand-to-hand -hand combat. Right. Or something would come up. It didn't, you know, in business. Hey, you know, cash flow is getting really tight. Good. That means that we're going to have to figure out how to get a new strategy to bring in some money. Mm-hmm. Everything was think the best. Right. Every circumstance, every interaction causes you to 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 move into a new um, dimension. Dimension, I guess. Yeah, that's a great word for it. And that happens because you're thinking the best. Mm -hmm. You're looking to the bright side yeah. of every circumstance. If you do that, the house is gonna last. Yep. Last one. Last point. Don't quit. Never give up. I like when you intro these points. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say... Don't quit running your mouth when your dad's telling you, stop. Because you're just going to keep getting I'm just more spankings and more spankings. Amy, pain. you're really good at not quitting. Consequence and pain. <laughs> yeah. Give me more consequences, dad. I like it. <laughs> um... Don't quit is the, our last one, but it really could have been our first one mm -hmm. because if you've signed up to build something and quitting is like in your mind at all, I don't even know why you're trying. Yeah, you'll take the escape Because the opportunity to quit is going to come. It's not like if it might come. No, it's going to come. Yeah. And it usually if you have a little bit of a, uh, I might take another route, not really wanting to commit too much because i want to see what my options are yeah you know i'm gonna sign this marriage certificate but you know i mean if in a year or so it's not like this really other guy working. said he's gonna make my dreams come true and yeah it's I might, been 20 neil i might peace out on this guy and like go get the greener grass over there <laughs> don't quit you can't if you want your house if you want it to last you never give up because hell will come against your home. Right. Hell will come against your life. Mm -hmm. If you are at all moving in a direction that is worthwhile, divinely inspired, if you're doing anything like that, the second... Opposition is waiting for its opportunity to try to tear what you have good apart. Yep. And that's why you have to stand firm, stand on guard. You know, we say a lot to our team... Um, this idea of having a sword in one hand and a tool in the other because you got to keep working, you got to keep building, but you also, while you're doing that, you have to be sober in mind to know that... Enemies some, are coming. Yeah, and they want what you have and they're going to try to tear you apart. Mm -hmm. How many times have we had people go out of their way to try to tear what we're doing apart. Yep. Write false letters to our organizations. Uh, Whatever could be Accuse us done. of things that have never been done. Take the things that are sacred to us and spread them around town. You know, it's like there's so many, there's so many forms of opposition that show up. And mm -hmm. if you're not on guard, then you're going to be put in a position where you're going to want to quit. Mm-hmm. And then if you have it even in your mind whatsoever to quit, 
you're going to quit. The opportunity is there. And you're going to you're going to bail out. And so, you know, I there's there's been people in our life that say things like that about us frequently. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That you know, all they're going to do is they're going to do this and then they're going to quit and they're going to do this and then they but but look at the track record and look at the history. Mm-hmm. Through thick and thin, no matter what, we're staying the course mm-hmm. and we're doing everything we can to help people find their call and make life count. Mm-hmm. Helping people overcome misery, helping people find a good way. And that's consistent. That is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So the things that matter to you, you've got to stay the course and you've got to be resilient. That's right. And it doesn't mean you let people walk all over you. Mm-mm. That's not what it means. It Not quitting doesn't mean you just take whatever comes your way and, you know, try to find the sparkles and the rainbows. It's That's not what we're saying. We're saying... Fight for what you what matters. What matters. Fight for what you know you need to fight for, and don't give up. And if that means fighting for your marriage at times, you got to fight for your marriage. If that means fighting for your children, you got to fight for your children. And I don't mean fight for custody of your children. I'm talking fighting for them when you can see them going through some kind of emotional time. Pray for them when you can see that your kid needs a little pick me up pick them up. Um, If you can see that they need a little help, a little guidance, come alongside them, not dictate, come alongside them, lead them shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. Yep. Not giving up is so important, but it starts in your mind. For sure. Doesn't it, not giving up is not, doesn't start as an action. It starts as a belief. It starts as, yeah. What am I believing about this? I'm believing I'm never giving up. Yep. And if everyone has that mindset in a family, that's it's easier to forgive. It's easier to play. It's easier to think the best. It's easier to train. There's five siblings in my family. I'm the oldest of the five. I'm the bossiest of the five. Mm-hmm. Probably most demanding of the five. Mm-hmm. But, and I probably have to say I'm sorry more than all the five. Yeah. But we all... Growing up, and now it's it shows as being adults, my brother can freak out on me and say something if he wants to. It's not going to change my love for him. Mm-hmm. It's not going to change me showing up for his life. Yep. But it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And because it goes both ways, it's easier to do it yourself. It's easy to reciprocate. Right. When you know that we don't all have to agree on the topics. We don't all have to agree on this and that and how we raise our kids or how we whatever, but we love each other unconditionally and we're offering that freedom to each other in the ability that they can be themselves and I'm going to be myself and it's not going to matter. We're still going to come to the dinner table. We're still going to have sleepovers. We're still going to go on family vacations. Even if we have family blowups on family vacations, we're still going to show up for dinner that night. You know, there's no running away, I guess. It's good. And it's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. And it pays off. Yeah. Because at some point you get to look back and you get to go all that work and all that effort. And look what we have. There's All those hard conversations that you didn't want to stay at the table and have, mm-hmm. you would it would be so much easier to get up and walk out. All of those um, moments of disappointment or uh, abandonment in that in that moment, feeling alone or whatever, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, when you're committed to each other you're still standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side, back to back. It, it was making me think when I was a, a early high school days, there was this coach, this basketball coach, his name was Jimmy V and uh, Jimmy Valvano. And what he was known for saying is, don't give up, don't ever give up. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, what's crazy about that is he held that mindset in videos to his dying breath he lost his life to cancer and he fought and he fought and he fought and he continued with that mindset of don't give up mm-hmm. don't ever give up and it caused so much inspiration to happen around him it's a critical mindset um 
Anything else on this give up? Because I no. got one one more little bonus here. Oh, bonus points. Bonus points. So wow. Hopefully you know this if you're listening to us. There, so we we decided five things to build a house that lasts. The one that is absolutely the thread through every single thing. It is 100% faith and belief, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Like it's the understanding that we're put here on this earth for great things that God Himself created us, made us for a purpose, and. And we're meant to embody that, and that is meant to be the very fabric of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So each one of these points, train, play, forgive, think the best, don't quit, all of that is made possible through deep belief. And so if if that's something that you are working through, struggling with, need any assistance on whatsoever, we officially have launched our Rough Cut Audio of the book Wayfinder. You can get that for absolutely nothing. Go to neilandamy.com. You're going to get the first curtain of that audio for free. And that's about an hour, a little over an hour worth of listening. That's going to get you set up for determining what it is that you actually want to do with the foundation of belief in your life. That's that's really what is going on with that. So we uh, want to encourage you to do that. We have a Facebook community that's going on. It's Wayfinder Book Community. And you can sign up for the emails and we'll start kicking information um, about that, the launch of that to you as well. So that is found at neilandamy.com. And I think that is everything that I wanted to share. Like, comment, subscribe, kick the word out there, please, because we want to be able to help as many people as absolutely possible. Absolutely. And if you're wondering... How do I, you know, I'm, I'm down the road a little bit and I need to do a U-turn. I need to go start back over. Pride says, nah, just keep going. It'll all work itself out. But that's not going to help you. So it's okay to put it in park, look over your shoulder and make the U-turn. Yep. Go back and start to rewrite how it is that you're building your house. I think that oftentimes we think that we can't sit down and be uh, transparent and vulnerable to our family or to whoever's in our life at, at the closest and have these hard conversations where we say, Hey, I want to, I want to go at this different do over. Uh, this is what I've been, I've had my mind on and this is how I've been modeling how to build our house. And, and I, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And I want to, I want to redo and to be able to sit down and have those conversations with those people that are in your life, whether it's your children or your wife, husband, partner, whatever it is, uh, sit down and have these conversations because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that the transparency that you can give to each other in those moments is actually going to be the foundation of you building this house that you want to, the way you want to build it, uh, filled with love and joy and peace and all of those great fruits that we talk about constantly um, and and peace that we're building this together instead of feeling like we're going separate ways constantly. So you have the power to do that. That power is in your hands right now. You get to decide what you're going to do with that. So I encourage you to take a moment and see where you need to put it in reverse, where you need to do a U-turn or um, keep going straight. So yeah, we love you guys. Thanks for listening to us. As always, find your call. Make life count. That's right. Life's too short to live miserable. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now.